0: I'm Monica and welcome back to another MCAT master interview. As you all know, this is the series where we sit down with MCAT top scorers to figure out what strategies are helping them the most on their journey so that we can pass them on to you guys as you're all working through the exam. So many students struggle with the MCAT, but that doesn't mean that you can't reach your dream score. So we want to show you how these top scorers are finding success so that you can get there too. So with that, I'd like to introduce you all to Nate Huber. Nate, welcome to the series, and thanks so much for joining us.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I actually watched a lot of these videos while I was going through my MCAT prep, so I'm excited to share kind of my journey with everybody.
0: Oh, my gosh, that's so amazing to hear. So you're, like, familiar with the format, which is awesome. I Um, am, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, we're so glad that our previous videos were helpful to you, and and hopefully this video or um, recording will be helpful to other students. So before we get started with, like, the questions and everything, we just wanted to give... Our listeners a little bit more information about you and your background. So, when Nate studied for the MCAT for the first time, one of his first practice exam scores was a 498. When he wrote the actual exam, he scored a 500, just a two-point improvement. Discouraged, he didn't take the MCAT again until two and a half years later. This time, he came in with a new attitude and a new plan. However, even though his studying methods had improved, his score still fluctuated pretty significantly. But this time when faced with this adversity, Nate pushed through and in just three months, he had increased his score to a 514 by his second exam date, even citing a 520 on a practice exam along the way. And that's an amazing improvement. So in this interview, we're just gonna launch into understanding exactly how Nate achieved this, focusing on how he studied, what he did to increase his score so quickly, how he scheduled his prep, what strategies he used for each section specifically, and so much more. So with all of that, I'll stop talking now. (laughs) Let's get started with the question. So Nate, why don't you start by just telling our listeners a little bit about you before we get into the MCAT?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, I live in Colorado right now. I moved around a lot when I was a kid, but I've been in Colorado for 16 years or so. I did my undergrad here, I did my graduate school here, and I recently graduated in 2020. I uh, I love to scuba dive, which is an interesting hobby to have when you're landlocked in Colorado. But you know, I make it work. We travel a lot. Me and my dad do that whenever we have the opportunity to. I played soccer for about 16 years, including a year in college, and then I tore my hamstring actually my freshman year. So I uh, started to get really into weightlifting and stuff like that, and I kind of use that as a stress relief as I kind of do this whole pre-med thing. As I'm sure a lot of people can relate, it's kind of stressful. So.
0: Yeah, kind of stressful. Yeah, it's <laughs> very stressful in some cases. Wow, yep. that's, that's awesome. Now it sounds like you have like a lot of hobbies and interests, which she said already, like having those things outside of the MCAT and outside of pre-med stuff is always super helpful. And congratulations on graduating. <laughs> that's Thank so you. Exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I guess going back into undergrad, then, even though you are graduated now, what do you think like inspired you to want to start this path towards becoming a doctor in the first place?
1: Yeah, so it's kind of funny, you know. A lot of people, I feel like they they know they want to be a doctor long before they get into college, and I think that helps a lot of people because they're really focused on what their end goal is. Um, mm-hmm. I honestly didn't know I wanted to be a physician until after I graduated from undergrad. So. I was going through school simply to go through school, and I didn't really have a goal. I'm pretty goal oriented, and so that was a little bit confusing for me, honestly. And so my grades were fairly average, which is why I ended up going to graduate school to turn that around. Once I decided I want to be a doctor, and the precipitating event for that was that I was a, a personal trainer after I graduated from school, and uh, I really liked helping people, impacting their lives, and you know through their changes in their health and their fitness and stuff like that. And I always, you know, would come to these points where I was like, there's nothing else I can really do for you. If you have knee pain, I can't do a surgery on you. You have to talk to your physician. You know, I can help strengthen your glutes and your hamstrings and your quads and things like that to help with your knee pain. But I'm not going to be able to fix the problem. And so I constantly had that feeling of what else can I do? What more can I do? And that's when I decided, uh, you know, maybe I'll try medicine. And I started signing up for the MCAT. I went and scribed in the emergency department. and I did that for about a year. And I you know, realized that I was going to face a lot of challenges with my undergraduate GPA. So I decided to apply to grad school, actually got in that first year. So after I was done scribing, I moved, went to grad school. In my second semester of grad school, I started working as a medical assistant. And that for me really solidified like, okay, yeah, medicine is what I want to do. Because then I was really having like meaningful patient interaction. I was working with physicians and... I just really enjoyed working in a healthcare team and I really recommend like if you want to go down this path to do something where you're doing a clinical experience working alongside physicians alongside physicians and and being a part of a healthcare team because you really get some good insight into this whole career path and like this is what you're going to be doing for the rest of your life so you know you want to make sure that you enjoy it and uh yeah so that's kind of how I I decided on becoming a physician and uh here I am now so
0: yeah, yeah, I I completely agree with that. Real-world experience can not only like inspire you to go on this path, but also help you decide what it is that you are interested in going forward as well. So that type of thing not only is it something that you should do as you're starting the path, but throughout as well, yeah. especially to inspire you as you're like facing some of these obstacles potentially. Because, you know, on the MCAT if you can look at the end goal and be like, I've really enjoyed like the time I've spent with patients and all the things I've seen. It's almost easier to picture where you're going. So yeah, um, it motivates you. Yeah, exactly. So it's really awesome that you have that real world experience inspiring you from the beginning. So launching into the MCAT now, where were you in your life when you started getting ready for the MCAT? And how were you feeling about it going into it?
1: So I had just graduated grad school in May, and that's kind of when the application cycle opens up. So I was scrambling to put my applications together because I, you know, I did pretty well in grad school. So I thought, you know, with my initial low MCAT score, maybe my GPA would save me and help me get some interviews and stuff like that. So when I started prepping for the MCAT, I actually had just come off of an application cycle and I had gotten rejected from every single school that I applied to. And I applied to like 32 schools. I had two interviews, both resulted in rejections. So, you know, that was discouraging for me, obviously, but I think it's an important lesson. And, you know, you got to persevere through those kinds of things because there's definitely a moment when you go through that where you're like, is this really worth it? You know, because you spend all this money and all this time and you just have to really think about, is this what I want to do? And I eventually came to that conclusion, you know, after getting through the rejection phase. I looked at my application and I said, what things can I do to improve from here? What can I do to get my application on an admissions committee's desk more frequently? And uh, going through, I think my MCAT was one thing that was really hindering that process. So uh, that's when I, I decided to start studying for the MCAT. I had a bunch of friends from grad school who actually started studying for the MCAT right after grad school. And so I talked to them and kind of gathered some resources and how they did and the resources they use and stuff like that. So that's where I was at when I first started this second time studying for the MCAT.
0: Yeah. Wow. No, definitely. And studying for the MCAT just in general is a really intimidating process. So coming off of those rejections as well must have been like really difficult, especially to motivate yourself in the beginning. Yeah. So I guess when you first started studying there. Like you said, you were like reaching out to friends for help, which is great and doing research and stuff. So how did you come up with a study plan and what was it, I guess, as you were starting?
1: Yeah. I think a lot of people's heads might explode when I say this, but I didn't really have a strict study plan when I approached it the second time. I Mm -hmm. had kind of a general thing that I wanted to follow, which was essentially you know i wanted to do 6 weeks of content review and then 6 weeks of practice so for those who are just getting into the whole mcat prep you spend a lot of time gathering all the information that you need and then the second half of your studying should be how to apply it because that's really the most important part that's what the whole mcat is about is how do you apply these basic scientific concepts to these novel situations And even then, I didn't stick to that wholeheartedly. I ended up doing only five weeks of content review and seven weeks of practice because I got into this mentality of, well, I have all this information, but I don't really know how I'm going to be asked to use it. You know, it'd been, like you said, two and a half years since I took the MCAT the first time. And so I I started diving into practice problems and knowing that I wasn't going to do well initially, but at least then I could start to kind of mentally imagine how I was going to be using the information I was using. And so, that's kind of what my plan was, quote unquote. I know some people, you know, they plan out every hour of every day of their prep, but I, I honestly didn't do that. So that was my general plan there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And everybody's different. Like certain strict schedules work for some people, but not for other people. And I like that your schedule was flexible to how you were feeling and you could shift those weeks if you felt like practice was going to yield more of a benefit. And that kind of flexibility is ultimately, you know, what helps you reach the goals you're trying to reach. So, you had gotten a 500 that first go round. So did you have a score goal in mind going into your second attempt?
1: Yeah. Um, I feel like in the pre-med world, a lot of people just hear like, if you get a 510 or higher, you're probably going to be okay. Like that's when things start getting competitive for you. And like, you can get your application on more desks to be looked at and stuff like that. That's really the power of having a high MCAT score in my mind is like, People will actually look at your application. I feel like mm-hmm. some of the schools I applied to last cycle probably just threw my application away looking at my MCAT score. And so going into it, I was, I was thinking, you know, let me get a 510 or higher and then I'll, I'll feel good about it. And, you know, after I did a little bit more research, I think the average matriculating MCAT was like a 512 and the average applicant was a 506. So I figured that was a pretty good, happy medium somewhere in there to get my application looked at more often.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's what it's all about. The <laughs> getting your application into the sphere of where it can be looked at. Um, that's ultimately the goal. So that yeah. seems like a really practical goal to choose, which is awesome. So we talked about your plan for your second time that you took the MCAT. What did you do that first time that you took it plan wise?
1: Yeah, you know, I ended up taking one of those MCAT prep courses through the Princeton Review, and it was like three hour long classes, three or four times a week. I don't really remember how long I had to do it for. I think it was maybe three months or something like that. And honestly, if I could go back, I probably wouldn't do it again. Not anything against Princeton Review, but just because when I studied the second time, I used so many different resources. And I think approaching problems from different perspectives really amplified my ability to understand it. Whereas with my first time that I studied, I only use Princeton Review. I did nothing else other than what they were telling me that I should know. And I just felt, you know, being so one track minded kind of hindered my studying the first time, whereas the second time, like this resource gave me this piece of information, this resource gave me this piece of information, and it helps me form a a better way of approaching the problems on the MCAT.
0: Yeah, for sure. There's so many different types of resources out there and it can be really hard to like navigate for sure. So doing a course or something like you did with Princeton might seem less intimidating, but all those resources are ultimately there to help you. So it's really awesome that you were able to kind of diversify like what you were using the second time around to to help yourself. So on the note of resources and materials, what were the ones that you found the most helpful throughout your prep?
1: I have a whole list, but I think the most important (laughs) one that you can use is UWorld. And I've heard other people talk about it on the series before, but UWorld is awesome simply because it gets you in the right mindset and it has awesome explanations, whether you get it right or wrong, of why the answer is the way that it is. Whereas like AMC, some of their stuff is like, well, the answer is C because it's not A, B or D, which is not super helpful. Whereas UWorld, it'll take all the information that you need and highlight the stuff that that question was really trying to focus on. And so that for me was one resource that was extremely helpful and then I use a lot of Anki flashcards and I don't know if I've heard of anyone using those before but basically they're like spaced repetition flashcards I mean you can set your settings to a specific way to where if you understand the concept you can push it out farther if you don't understand the concept then it comes back sooner so you can kind of the things that you're not getting will show up sooner in your flashcard deck um, and it's free to download I and mean, there's a lot of mcat decks online that you can use that you can just download that other people have made and the two that i would suggest are the mile down deck and the ortho deck those are the two that i used and then as far as other resources you know i used the kaplan books for prep this time and then the khan academy mcat series online i think they're retiring it soon i think it's september of this year but that's a great resource and then um I used a website called layforpsy.com for all the math and chemistry rules. She has a really good series on there. Uh, she's an MCAT tutor and basically like highlights how to use all of the math rules and how to approach chemistry problems, you know, like calculating pHs and stuff like that really quickly. I watched those over and over again to make sure that I understood that. And then I used MCAT Mastery Cars course, and there's a series on YouTube called AK Lectures. He's a very well-spoken guy who really goes into like really good detail about certain subjects. He has a whole MCAT series that were really helpful for me that things that Khan Academy didn't touch on, he had videos on. So those are a couple that I would recommend.
0: Thanks for all those super specific resources. I feel like, like I said already, sometimes it can get really overwhelming (laughs) trying to figure out which ones to use just in general, not even getting into the specific sections, which we'll get into later, but just figuring out a place to start, especially with content review. So yeah, a lot of those resources, we found a lot of top scorers use those. So mm-hmm. they must be good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. Glad, that, glad that you mentioned them again. <laughs> okay. So speaking more generally now about your MCAT journey, it's on the second attempt. What do you think were your biggest challenges and struggles that you experienced this time around? And how did you overcome them?
1: Um, I think my biggest challenge, and I'm sure a lot of people relate, is that you know, just that feeling of being burned out. With MCAT studying the second time around, I um, dropped down to part-time work because when I was studying for it the first time, I was working full-time as a scribe and it was just too much. The hours that I was working at the hospital were not lining up well with my study schedule. And I never really felt like I was getting into a good mentality to study. And so this time I was like, I got to be smarter about this. I'm going to drop down to part-time. And I worked like, you know, 25 hours, maybe 30 hours, a couple of weeks in there. And then the days that I was off, I would be studying probably 12 hours a day. And then the days that I was working, I'd be studying whatever I can get in four to six hours, whatever it was. But that really burns you out. you know. I didn't do anything but MCAT studying and work that entire three months that I was prepping. And so I think that you just have to be okay with that feeling of burnout. And if, if you're getting frustrated with your prep, like if you're getting a question wrong and then you just like, you're getting angry about it or, or frustrated, I think it's okay to just step away and go do something fun. You know, I didn't really come to that realization until probably like two months into my prep when I was like, Oh my gosh, I still have to do this for another month. But you know, I found myself when I was in the mentality of, Oh, this sucks. You know, I, this is, I'm tired. You know, I'm not getting any sleep, et cetera, et cetera. I just would step away. I would go, you hit the gym or go hang out with friends or something like that. And being okay with doing that is really important, not only for your mental health, because if you come into MCAT studying, you know, in a negative mindset, then you're really not going to get anything productive out of it. So you might as well take some of that negative energy and make it positive so that you can come back the next day and really tackle it with the right mentality.
0: Definitely. I feel like burnout is so prevalent with this exam because like you said, people find it really easy to not let themselves off the hook without feeling guilty about the MCAT the whole time, like while they're doing other things. So I think that's a really, really good point. And it's hard to overcome, but you gave a lot of suggestions for how to implement other things into your life, which is always important for mindset, as you said already. So was there anything in your prep that, I guess the reverse question, is there anything in your prep that you did wish you hadn't done?
1: Um, I think I would have started my car studying earlier. I read somewhere along the way, I think it was actually on MCAT mastery where they were like, you should be doing, you know, two passages a day just to stay sharp on your cars and practice the strategies and things like that. I really didn't start tackling cars until, oh man, probably halfway through my prep because I was like, there's nothing to study. It's just, you have to practice the strategies and get Really good at quickly comprehending very complicated passages and things like that. So, I definitely would have started that earlier. Maybe even during my content review, I would just start doing a couple of cars passages a day just so you can start practicing. And then, um, as far as psych and social goes, I only used Anki flashcards to study for that section. And I felt like it was giving me so much stuff and it was awesome, but I did get onto my. Actual test and felt like there were some things that I didn't know. So I think I would have diversified the way that I tackled Psych and Soch. Um, you know, maybe doing some of the, like the Khan Academy 300 page document and reading through that some more and stuff like that. But yeah, I think those are the two big things that I would probably change about my prep.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you've taken the exam and you did well. So hopefully these regrets aren't super relevant now, but still good to know for students that are looking to increase their score as well. That was great advice. And you gave great advice a second ago as well. So if a student was listening to this and they were like wanting to increase their score, do you have any other big pieces of advice that you want to mention that were helpful in helping you to increase your score?
1: Yeah, I think a big part is... Being honest with yourself. And if you're not understanding something, then you need to find a way to understand it. Even if it's not high yield, you know, quote unquote high yield, because you you can be presented with anything on the MCAT, even if you know people say that 5% of it is OCAM, that doesn't mean you won't get an entire passage related to OCAM. So if you aren't understanding a specific topic, I think it's really important because I went through this kind of same mental struggle of like, gosh, I'm not getting this. And just trying to veer away from it because it takes a lot of energy to wanna to dive into the things that you don't understand really well. But you have to do it. And I think an important part of that is keeping a list of the things that you don't understand. And when you have the most energy, which is usually at the beginning of the day when you start practicing or studying or whatever you're doing that day, just go and find a video that talks about it. And even if you play it in the background while you're doing something else, Or, you know, just find a way to get exposed to it so that it doesn't seem like such a hassle to do the things that you're not comfortable doing because you're not understanding it. And it is a little bit of a mental battle, but it's important and it really does pay off. I mean, I'll talk about it a little bit as we get further into this, but with the physics and chem section, you know, a lot of that stuff I was just awful at when I started. And um, you just got to dive into it and make sure that you're tackling the things that you don't get because it pays off in the end. And then another thing that I would do is make sure that you are, like I said earlier, using the correct resources. So like for UWorld, I didn't really use any of their cars passages because I think that it's hard to find cars passages that are like the actual MCAT. AAMC does a very good job of like the questions and the way that it's worded will pull you to the right answer if you comprehended the text, whereas I feel like some other resources they don't do that as well. And it's it's kind of magical in a way, <laughs> if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. And so I would really use AMC specifically for cars and try to avoid any other resources for that simply because they do it so differently than everybody else. I think that would be my two pieces of advice.
0: Yeah, those were awesome pieces of advice as well. And I think what you mentioned about cars is really, we've heard that a lot as well. So Again, like the AMC resources are really important um, as you're going through. And additionally, the whole thing about being honest with yourself as well is another kind of almost like studying strategy related thing, like mindset thing that actually has tangible results, as you mentioned. So um, all of these things matter. Like the things that seem smaller, seem internal can really make a difference. Mm -hmm. So that was like almost the perfect segue as well. As we get into your specific Strategies for the specific sections. So your highest scores were 129s in both chem and phys and BioBio, which is amazing. So let's start with chem and phys since you were just getting into that. How did you study for that section specifically, and what advice would you have for students struggling with it?
1: Yeah, so chem and phys when I took it the first time was my lowest score, and I knew coming into my prep the second time that it was going to be my hardest challenge, and so. I kind of spent a disproportionate amount of time studying for that section simply because I knew it was going to be the most challenging. And I think if I were to give one piece of advice, it would be that you need to practice. The only way that you can get good at that section and to be efficient in it so that you're finishing questions within the time limit and you have time to go back and make sure that your thinking is correct at the end of your section is to just practice. Um, UWorld is great for it. Like I mentioned earlier, they have great explanations. So use those explanations to your benefit and really understand what the the broader concept is related to that question rather than just focusing in on, oh, this was asking me this, so I need to know this. Think about what the actual concept was underneath, and you'll see so many questions related to each other in that section. Everything is related, honestly. Once you start to get into the, the chem and fizz, you can see a lot of overlap between the two. And in addition to that, I think an important part is you got to know all the equations inside and out That's another thing that Anki is good for. Just do those every day, write them up on a whiteboard. That's what I did. Um, I put them in the same color, in the same spot on a whiteboard every single day. And I listed every equation from memory. That's kind of type A of me, but that's what I did. And it worked because I'm a visual learner. So I could recall equations just based off of what color I used on the whiteboard on my actual test, which was super helpful. And then, Like I mentioned earlier, do the lay for sci series. She has her own website. That's what it's called, lay And get really good at those math rules and the chem rules. She has some really quick tips on how to do like pH calculations and conversions from POH to pH and et cetera, et cetera. And she's also really good with helping you understand how to do logarithms really fast, even negative logarithms, all that stuff. And I know those words probably give a lot of people anxiety, but once you actually (laughs) dive into it, it's really, really helpful. And knowing those things, even if you don't use them a lot on the MCAT, gives you a lot of confidence going into that section that if you're presented with something, you'll know what to do with it.
0: Yeah, for sure. I feel like a lot of the mental math, even though it is simple on the MCAT, can stress people out so much. So I'm glad that you kind of mentioned that. And just in general, a lot of people we find struggle with this section. So you said it was one of your struggles on your first time taking the exam and the fact that you were able to Make it one of your highest scoring sections on the second time is, is super awesome. So, those strategies are probably going to help a lot of students who are struggling. So, uh, moving on to bio bio now, how did you study for this section and what advice would you have for it?
1: So, I think with these two heavy like science content sections, like I said, practice is going to make it perfect, especially for timing. The way that I did it, and I'll mention this for Chem Phys too a little bit, is when you're using UWorld, you what I did was I made 25 question tests and I marked all of the subjects so that I didn't know which ones were going to come up. And I did that for bio biochem as well. And I did it for time. So I timed myself and made sure that I could do it you know, under testing conditions. And I think that that was really helpful as far as the timing goes, because I know that stresses a lot of people out, which if you're doing plenty of practice, by the time you get to the MCAT, you don't even notice the timer. I know that I didn't. I didn't look at the timer one time when I took the actual MCAT this time, and I think I finished each section with 10-15 minutes at the end, so I had plenty of time. So don't let that stress you out. Just practice a lot, and then as far as biochem goes, make sure that you know your amino acids inside and out. I mean, I don't know why, but the MCAT loves to talk about the amino acids. I think my actual MCAT, I had 14 questions related to them. So just know their structures, know their abbreviations. Know their properties and things like that, and that alone will increase your score quite a bit. And then, in addition to that, just make sure that you stay organized. Understand that, like, no one's expecting you to know everything about physiology. So, if you haven't taken a physiology class, it's okay. You can still do really well in bio biochem because you just need to know real basic scientific concepts and then be able to apply it to some physiological concept. And not having a strong foundation in in physiology will not be the end of you in that section. Just make sure that you know how to apply things. And that really
0: comes from practice, I think. Yeah, practice is, is so important. And I feel like you've mentioned it a lot already. But just to reiterate, we definitely as well and a lot of our tutors believe that practice can be one of the best ways to increase your score. So especially on a section like this where the passages can be confusing or intimidating, like practicing how to approach them and things like that is is vital, um, as you mentioned. So that's yeah. awesome. So your next two scores were also tied. So you had 128s in both, CARS and PSYCH and SOCH, which you were kind of talking about these two sections already. So let's start with PSYCH SOCH. How did you study there and what advice would you have?
1: Yeah, so like I said, I, I only really used Anki flashcards for the PSYCH and SOCH section. I did the mile down Anki deck, and then I followed that up with the ortho Anki deck. And there's another one called Jack Sparrow that a lot of people said they used, but that one was like specifically for his type of studying, which was like, here's a single word on the front of the flashcard, and then the back of it was this really long explanation. And I didn't find that super effective. So I really only used Mile Down and Ortho because they were just quick definitions that I could get through like a whole deck in one day basically of studying. I was able to get through a lot of content really quickly using those flashcards. I would recommend, though, that you find maybe another resource for that sections. I mean, Second Social really is just a bunch of definitions. And if you get the definitions, great, but I would make sure that you know all of them. So like I didn't even read the, the Kaplan book. I would probably recommend reading that and maybe finding some online resources through Khan Academy or something like that just to diversify your study. And so you make sure that, you know, all of the definitions that you do need to know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people seem to get caught up on the definitions in the section because there are so many and studying for them and keeping them fresh. So yeah, even though the passages may not seem maybe as involved and it feels like more definitions and stuff, it's still really important to (laughs) figure out how to study for that effectively. Lastly, we have CARS. So a lot of students struggle with this section as well. So how did you find Studying for it, and do you have any advice for struggling students?
1: Yeah, so cars. Um, I'm like everybody else. I struggled just the same. Mm-hmm. I think it was probably my second hardest section that I came across. And every day, my scores in cars would fluctuate. I mean, one day it would just click for me, and another day it wouldn't. And it was a little bit frustrating. But I think what really started to work for me was when I actually took the MCAT Mastery Cars course, and they basically take AMC passages and walk you through the strategies that they use. And you can kind of sit back and watch as somebody else dissects a passage and the strategies that they use. And just that observation alone can give you a lot of information. And one of the strategies that you know they kind of use is that you should write down kind of a summary of each paragraph after reading through it. And I kind of adopted that strategy, but kind of manipulated it a little bit. And what I would do is read through a paragraph. And then in my mind, or just like quietly out loud, I would say, okay, this is what this is about just real quick. And that seemed to save me a little time because cars, when I was practicing, was always I was always over time until the very end, when I was like the last two weeks of my prep, I finally got the timing down. And I think it was that strategy that really pushed me over the edge into being able to improve that score. And other than the 520 that I got in my prep, I think the 128 that I got in the actual MCAT was the highest car score that I had ever gotten. And... I think it was those last two weeks of like, okay, I understand how to use this strategy now that really helped me. So that's really what it comes down to in cars is finding a strategy that works for you and that you can replicate with every single passage, regardless of how challenging it is. For me, like philosophy passages were always the worst because I had no idea what it was talking about. But if you are able to go paragraph by paragraph and say, okay, I think this is what it's saying. And then you get to the end, and you go through the questions. And if you know what you're thinking lines up with the questions, you can bust out a whole passage and pretty quickly if if you're using your strategy effectively. So, just find something that works for you. Um, MCAT Mastery was great for me, so I recommend
0: it. Awesome. We're so glad to hear that. And and definitely, the CARS section seems really individualized. Like you have to find, like you said already, um, the strategy that's gonna work for you as an individual. Um, and it might not work for other people as well. So, and that can make the world of a difference, especially on this section, which is so focused on strategy. So yeah, thanks for expanding on all of those sections specifically. So moving on to the actual day of your MCAT, what was it like to walk into your exam day and and how were you feeling throughout?
1: Yeah, I actually have a little bit of a funny story about the whole (laughs) MCAT day. So the day before my MCAT, I went and stayed at a hotel Right next to the to the testing center because I wanted to make sure that I could like wake up and be on time and not have to stress about driving because my testing center from my house would have been like a forty five minute drive and uh, I would have had to get up at I don't know five o'clock in order to get there on time so I decided I would just drive out there and stay at a hotel near it the day before kind of get acclimated to the environment and make sure that I could sleep okay <laughs> but the hotel that I was staying at um, there was like a party in the hallway the night that I, I checked in and yeah, it was a disaster. And so I, I, uh, I stayed up that night. I'm pretty sure I was up till four o'clock, just having to listen to the people laugh in the hallway and like loud music and all this stuff. And so I had to talk to the front desk the next morning. I'm like on three hours of sleep. And I'm like, is there any other room that I can get? Cause I have a really important thing that I have to do tomorrow and, uh, I can't get any sleep. And she's like, no, we're all booked out. And so I spent the next day basically driving around town trying to find earplugs. And for some reason, this town just didn't have earplugs. I went to a pharmacy. I went to King Supers, I went everywhere I could find. And no one had earplugs. And so it's like 6 p.m. And they call my cell phone while I'm driving around. And they're like, hey, we actually have a vacancy if you'd like to take this room. So I move rooms when I get back to the hotel. And as I'm laying down to go to bed, I was like, all right, I'm going to get plenty of sleep. It'll be fine. You know, there's dogs down the hallway that start barking. And I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Luckily their owner came home within the hour. So I was able to get plenty of sleep, but then, uh, you know, I was just kind of stressed out about that whole situation. So if you're going to do a hotel, I would make sure that you go to a nice hotel. One that has like really <laughs> you know, good soundproof rooms and things like that. Cause that was just stressful in itself. But then the morning of I woke up, somewhat early i did like a little hit workout in the morning because after i work out i feel like i can um, focus a little better so i did just like a 10 minute workout in my hotel room really quick um i wouldn't recommend going crazy on the caffeine the morning of your mcat because i drank a lot of caffeine just to stay focused and the adrenaline that you get when you step into the testing center is kind of overwhelming. And that combined with the caffeine can, <laughs> I don't know, just push you over the edge a little bit in terms of your anxiety. So go light on the caffeine, even though you might need it to focus, just get a little bit in you and then the adrenaline will get you the rest of the way because it is very stressful. Your future is, is kind of dependent on how well you do on this test. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have that thought and I certainly did that day but you just kind of have to push that to the side and you just, you have practiced, you have done everything you can and now you just have to prove it. So that was my journey (laughs) to my MCAT that day.
0: Wow, what a journey it was. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of unanticipated challenges can come up. So um, I'm glad that you were able to push through all that and eventually take your exam and do well. But that's just a testament to the fact that you have to be able to, Get through all of that and focus on your exam and remind yourself it's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, so, after you were done with the exam, then what was it like for you waiting for your score to come back?
1: Um, the first two weeks felt like they went on forever. You know, I had friends, like I said earlier, that had just taken the MCAT and they had gotten their scores back about the time that I started studying. And they were like, yeah, you know, the first two weeks are the worst, but then, you know, you kind of forget about it. And luckily at the time I had gone back to working full time after I finished my test. So staying, you know, preoccupied with something that gets your mind off of just, Oh my gosh, here are all like the worst case scenarios of, you know, I could have done this wrong. I probably got this question wrong, et cetera, et cetera. Like you just got to let that stuff go. Cause it'll stress you out. And that's a normal thing. Like anything that you care a lot about you are going to get stressed out about, you know, the result of it, but, Mm -hmm. um, you've taken the test, you prepped for it and, uh, you know, you just got to trust that you did your best and, and you just got to wait. I would definitely find something that you can do in the meantime to kind of get your mind off it. And that's what really helped me.
0: Yeah, for sure. Find ways to distract yourself so that you're not completely like stressing over it the entire waiting period. That makes a lot of sense. So, Eventually, though, you did get your score back. How was it just seeing the score that you gotten?
1: It was amazing. I was actually at work when I got the notification that the scores were posted. And I was like, man, I should wait till the end of the day just in case it's bad news. I don't want to be like, you know, down in the dumps for the rest of the day. But ultimately, I was like, I can't wait. It was, I don't know, probably 10 a.m. at the time when it got posted. And I was like, I can't wait until five to, <laughs> to look at my score. So I did it over lunch. And The computer I was on actually was like zoomed in so far that when I opened my score report, I could only see one section at a time. And so I was slowly scrolling down. And when I saw that I got a 514, I jumped out of my chair and I was just looking around for someone to tell. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was a really exciting moment. And uh, I hope that people will take that and be like, yeah, I want to be that way. I want to be running down the halls, super excited. And you will if you if you put the work in. So it was awesome.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's just like a culmination of all the work that you put in and the celebration can begin. It's it's a reward for everything that you had to endure to get there. So congratulations again. That is the best feeling. And you're finally done with the MCAT, which is amazing. So yeah. going from here, what are you hoping to do now in the future? Are you planning to apply soon or have you applied?
1: Yeah. So I actually just got accepted to medical school two days ago.
0: Um, Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. So I'm in the process of scrambling to get all of my stuff together and move and all that. So I am going to start that in July. And then, um, I anticipate that I'd like to get into a cardiology fellowship after doing like an internal medicine residency. That's kind of what I've been leaning towards. Um, I had an uncle who had an open heart transplant and, uh, you know, interacting with his physicians and things like that really kind of influenced my path towards cardiology. So that's kind of uh, the goal for the future.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Congratulations on that acceptance. That's so exciting. Yeah. Um, Thank you. And it's starting so soon. You're about to get started on the next phase, which is just super exciting. All the hard work has paid off. So um, exciting few years coming up for you. Well, that's awesome. I I think that was all the questions that I had for you. I guess just to finish, there are probably students, you know, listening to this who are struggling with their exam. Do you have any final pieces of advice or anything left that you want to just say to them?
1: Yeah. A lot of MCAT prep is just getting through the mental battles that you kind of bring up with yourself, you know, like, oh, I'm tired. I don't want to do this or this just doesn't make sense i'm not getting this x y and z and understand that that's normal everybody goes through that but you have to find a way to get through those mental hurdles and in the end it's all going to pay off just keep in mind why you're taking the mcat you know the whole purpose of it is because you want to be a doctor and you know it pays off at the end of the day you're going to put in the work that you think is appropriate to get you where you want to go and so just keep that end goal in mind and i want everyone listening to this to have the same experience i did where you had to run down the halls to find someone to tell about your score and you will get there if you put the work in so
0: yeah that's awesome and thanks so much for saying all that and for taking the time to walk us through your entire journey nate and congratulations again on everything we really appreciate your time and everything
1: of course thanks for having me
0: yeah um and good luck with everything going forward starting medical school so exciting and finally thanks to all of our listeners for listening to this Good luck with your exams, and as Nate said, you guys can do this, and just remember all the hard work that you're putting in and and the goal that you're working towards, Um, but you got this. Hey everyone, this is Monica again, and before you go, I just want to remind you that if you're not receiving our daily free MCAT Strategy and Success Story emails yet, definitely be sure to sign up for those at MCATmastery.net slash free course. In addition to that, if you feel like you might need personalized help with the exam and would like to have an MCAT mentor kind of look at your situation and help you identify exactly what's holding your score back, you can look into that too at mcatmastery.net slash mcatmentors. And lastly, and most importantly, we just want you guys to know that you have what it takes to succeed on this exam. We know the MCAT is intimidating, and when you get a score that's lower than you expected on a practice or on the real thing, it's so easy to feel discouraged or frustrated or even hopeless about the exam. We get it, a lot of us have been there. So we want to give you the guidance that we wish we'd had when we were in your shoes. And that's what these interviews are for. That's what our emails are for. We want you guys to be able to feel confident again. And most importantly, be able to see that med school admission is possible. And it's not out of your reach at all. So thanks again for listening. And remember that every top scorer, every med student, and every doctor made it through this journey. So you can do it too. You guys got this.